This episode of Paper Team is brought to you by the 2018 Launchpad Pilots Competition. Now in their fifth year, the Launchpad competitions have helped 254 writers get signed, 81 projects get set up, 48 writers get staffed, and led to four bidding wars. When you enter your pilot script this year, you'll save $15 off your entry just by using the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at the checkout as a special thank you to our listeners. For more information on the Tracking Board's current competitions and exclusive partners, visit tblaunchpad.com. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Santa Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Jolly Old Saint Nick Watson at, on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today, well, today is our last episode of 2017. And to celebrate the occasion, we want to take a look back at some of our favorite things of the past year in terms of paper team and ourselves, as well as a look at uh, 2018 and what you guys should do to prep for the new year. Welcome to a very festive paper team. But first, our paper scraps segment, we're going to bring it down a little for a minute before we get back into the festive joy. Alex? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we've been getting word from some of our guests for the podcast that they've been getting some emails of listeners pitching stuff to them, as well as phone calls, especially some of the guests that worked at agencies and management companies, they've been receiving some phone calls from listeners straight up asking them to rep them uh, out of the blue, uh, even though they don't know them in particular. Yeah, I mean, obviously... (laughs) you can kind of tell that this sort of behavior is not really acceptable. We've talked about this before on the podcast about how to best go about approaching things like that. And it's definitely not just picking up the phone and asking someone you've never met if they will sign you. And I think that these guests come and do us a favor by appearing on the podcast and sharing their insight and knowledge and wisdom. And I think it's taking advantage of that or or being a little unfair to them, having devoted their time to that, to then go and want to take more from them. Yeah. And that's not to say that you cannot contact our guests. Feel free to send them a tweet or some nice email thanking them for their time, their advice, the lessons that you've learned for the podcast. Some people do tend to go a little bit overboard and start pitching reality shows to someone who's not even working in reality, and they kind of feel entitled. I feel like it's the sense of, you owe me something for listening to you (laughs) being on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's they have already done you a favor by giving this information, not the other way around. Just as a general rule, you shouldn't be sending anything that isn't asked for. Don't just email someone a series pitch or attach a script to an email. It's very presumptuous, especially if it's the first time you've contacted someone. It's also very transparent. If you're looking to actually build a relationship or connection with someone in the industry and buy them a coffee or ask a few questions over email, great. It should be about that and not just some quick trick to get them to do something that benefits you. I recommend that everyone goes back and listen to some of our early episodes episodes pt5 networking and pt7 following up on some tips for the proper etiquette basically don't be a creep if you ever met that person don't ask them to marry you on the first date that doesn't make sense yeah so just moving forward please be respectful of our guests and their time and what you're asking from them if you do decide to reach out and now on to holiday spirit Let's start this holiday special by taking a look back at Paper Team 2017 edition. And to do that, back in our very first 2017 episode, we set goals for ourselves. Is that right, Nick? That's right. Yeah, we had kind of like looked at our New Year's resolutions as a podcast and what we wanted to achieve in the coming year. So I went back and found our old kind of outline for the episode. And this is what we had said we wanted to do. For me personally, in the podcast, I wanted to get back to some basics, getting to the need to knows of preparing your pilots and your specs and 
practical tools for everyone and not kind of veering off into something that's too esoteric. And I feel like we did that. I think that we we did some really solid one-on-ones and in-depth examples of things that we had previously discussed. I was just going to say, I totally agree. We did a lot of those one-on-one episodes that have become staples of our show and as well as being amongst our most popular episodes of the entire show. The whole case study pilot one is very popular, as well as the TV pilot 101, the TV spec script 101. All those kind of 101s slash basics episodes were a great success. Yeah, these are like the Big Macs of our podcast. It's what, people, it's what people are coming in for and getting. It's They're, uh, they're the things that we're I feel they're for. a little bit healthier than Big Hopefully. Macs. Okay, they're the uh, delicious Cobb salads. Of, I don't know. <laughs> Good Lord. That sounds absolutely disgusting. The other thing that we wanted to do this year was kind of expand and transition some elements of Paper Team into live settings and do essentially a live Paper Team episode. And we kind of did that with our WonderCon panel back in spring. Yeah, it was fantastic. It feels like so long ago now, but that was a really great success. We had a packed house for the very last panel of the yeah, entire thing. Con, yeah. uh, we had people live tweeting it. We had a lot of people reaching out to us afterwards to say that they enjoyed it. And we absolutely had a blast. It was fantastic. And I hope that we can do it again next year. Uh, TBD on that front. The other thing we wanted to do this year was just expand our listenership and obviously bring more valuable content through that. And we just hit, as we recorded this episode, 60,000 downloads. Isn't that fantastic, Nick? That's amazing. How many did we have like this time last year when we were looking at that episode? Well, this time last year, we had about 10,000 downloads. So we sextupled. Sept is seven. We sextupled it, Alex. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) We just crossed our 69 episodes. It's only only fair. Uh, No, but that's incredible. That's a a great amount of growth. I'm really happy with how we've done that. (laughs) (laughs) You might have the gutter, Nick. Oh, boy. This podcast is going to dirty places. Uh, Another thing that we had wanted to do was take more suggestions from our listeners and hear from you what you wanted to hear and what you were interested in. And I think that we have successfully done that too. There was an entire episode we did, the paying for TV writing education that someone wanted to hear about and what our thoughts were on that. And then so we actually built a whole episode around that and recorded and we'd be more than happy to do that again if anyone has any suggestions for stuff that they want to hear. And obviously through our paper scrap segment, we sort of wanted to introduce that element of interactivity. So that's why we have reviews that you guys leave us, but also uh, questions, emails, uh, voicemails occasionally that we want to address on the podcast. So uh, I really feel like this year we really took the interactivity to the next level compared to last year. And maybe a little later in this podcast, we'll talk about our goals for next year and continuing to expand that as well. But let's take a look back at Paper Team itself, like the episodes, you know, the cool little elements, cool tidbits some cool stats as well because we do that we did that last year we did it on the 50th episode one of my favorite things to do is quiz nick on random topics Uh, hopefully other people find this interesting and they're not just like shut up (laughs) (laughs) well you can always skip skip me (laughs) quizzing nick okay usually what we do is i want nick to guess our top episodes he doesn't look at the stats he doesn't really care about the stats Uh, let alex do all the work clearly i'm the craig mason to his john (laughs) august so i keep track of all the all that data for this special holiday episode let me ask you nick give me what you believe are our top 10 all-timer episodes in terms of total number of downloads all right i'm gonna say uh, tv pilot 101 that's pt30 pt30 is indeed in our top 10 nine to go tv spec 101 pt34 is not in our top 10 it's just just on the limit no one writes specs anymore alex uh, <laughs> Can I stop recording this podcast right now? Okay, I'm going to say uh, our, our live one from WonderCon, TV Writer versus Fandom. 
How about that? PT38 is not in our top 10. Oh my God. What well, do you, you got? Seven you guys are shots. sleeping on these. Come on. Okay. I think uh, one of our recent ones, Managing TV Writers with Daniela from Circle of Confusion, PT59. Is indeed in our top 10. Excellent. Uh, how about our pilot case study, PT54? Ooh, that is also in our top 10. All right. Let's do final five. Give me five more, even though you have only three of them correct so far. Our interview with Gary, PT43, assisting TV comedy writers. I'll also say our interview with Allison, PT39, writing adult comedy animation from Bojack Horseman. You actually got one of those correct. It was the Gary episode, but the Allison one just got dethroned. It's number 11 on our list. Oh, man. So close. So, so close. close. All right, fine. I think this is going to take too long to list all of them. So let me give you bottom to top, and then you can give me the top three at the end. Number 10 is assisting TV comedy writers with Gary Sunt, PT43. Number nine is PT51, TV Dialogue 101. Nice. See, the 101s are very popular. Number eight is PT04, going old school here, with Spec versus Pilot. See, people do wonder whether or not they want to write Specs. I they're think listening. they're tuning into that for the pilot part, Alex. Uh, come on. <laughs> uh, number seven is PT47, breaking in and writing from outside the system, featuring Hiller Guess. I mean, the Screen Artist Rent Room has a big fandom. That's Clearly awesome. chose. We are going to try and get on there soon with Hilliard, so we'll give him a shout out. Don't then. spoil one of our 2018 goals. Number six is PT55 TV writing competition winners. Very popular guest episode. That was going to be one of my next guests. Well, you did get the following one, which is PT59 managing TV writers with Daniela. And then let's get into our top four over here. Mm-hmm. Number four, which was in our top three before, PT06, bringing the TV writers room process home. Now, let me ask you, Nick, what are the top three in order? I'm going to say it's the pilot case studies, the pilot 101, and our very first episode. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct in all three. Yeah. Although not that order exactly, because our most popular episode ever is PT30, TV Pilot 101, then the TV case study episode. Mm-hmm. So the TV case study episode has skyrocketed from essentially zero to the second place all-timer. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. And it was our 54th episode, so it's relatively recent. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously our first episode ever. But- Here's something else to uh, consider, Nick. Did you know that we have listeners from all over the world? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was anticlimactic. Well, let me ask you, Nick. What do you think are, besides the U.S., our next four countries in terms of number of downloads? Canada, Australia, Japan, and Germany. The correct answer is Australia, number two. Canada is third. Japan is fourth. UK fifth. Oh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that place. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're coming from Australia. I feel like you would not forget the UK, but uh, here we are. And obviously, like last time, the number one platform with 60% of all downloads is iOS. Mm-hmm. So Apple running supreme over uh, a podcast. <laughs> Soon environment. they will control the world. But not before Disney, right? Disney will buy Apple and then we'll all be, be ruined. Disney gets elected president as a corporation that counts as an individual. So technically, if we incorporate, can Paper Team run for president at some point? <laughs> sure. I mean, actually, neither of us can because we weren't born here. So, But Paper Team was. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, Paper Team for president. Who's going to be our running mate? Script notes? <laughs> Script notes or uh, Children Have Tendu. Okay, deal. Continuing on our best of 2017 mantra, let's take a look at some of our favorite things. I mean, we're not Oprah, but I think we're approaching Oprah level. So we can't <laughs> declare favorite Do you remember things. when the Beatles said they were bigger than Jesus and how well that went for them? 
<laughs> yeah, I think Oprah is pretty much the same thing as Jesus in the U.S. So, all right. Speaking of uh, Jesus, what are our favorite shows of 2017? <laughs> <laughs> sure, those two things are related. Let's talk about our favorite dramas. All right, Nick, what was your favorite 2017 TV drama? I'm gonna have to say American Gods. I think it was just very different and new and and fresh. And even though you know it's deliberately obtuse and confusing at times, I just really admired what they were doing with it. But I do have to give an honorable mention to the recent premiere of uh, Runaways, the new Hulu series, a Marvel one based off of the comics. There, I, I'm really enjoying that. I have read all the comics and I like what they're doing with it. I think it's great. You were referring to something obtuse and confusing, and I thought you were talking about this very episode of Paper Team. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That too. My my favorite TV drama of this year has to be the final season of The Leftovers. I keep talking about The Leftovers every single episode of Paper Team, I feel like. You need to go talk to a therapist or something. Yeah. <laughs> get really. this off your chest. Uh, does anybody have the number of Damon Lindelof? I need to, to get stuff <laughs> off my chest. What was your favorite comedy of the year? That's tough. It's I have just been loving Nathan for you lately. I yes. it's the kind of thing that I was not fully on the bandwagon yet. I, I'd heard people saying great things about it, so I started watching bits and pieces of this season. But I watched <laughs> the season finale, and it hooked me. And now I'm going back and rewatching everything. That's excellent. I'm glad that the peer pressure is finally working. As Nathan for you has been for quite a while. I have the um, have you seen all of Nathan for you? Or are you not caught up yet? I have not seen some of the third season, but I'm pretty much all caught up. Have you seen the movement episode? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have the fake slash real bio book. Uh, the, <laughs> it the was ghostwritten by that ghost guy. Written. Yeah. I bought that on Amazon and it's uh, quite an intriguing read. <laughs> but my favorite comedy of the year has to be The Good Place. Honestly, I should call it The Great Place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get him in the good place writer's room, guys. Yes. He jokes. He's on fire. Hey, listen, I'm a drama writer. I'm not a comedy writer. Clearly, it shows. That's, yeah, because uh, your but, jokes uh, are making me sad. Wow. <laughs> and yours also. And I love this show. I took so many chances. Uh, we're going to get into our favorite episodes of TV in a second, but... This season of The Good Place has really redefined, I feel like, what serialized comedy on network TV can do. Just love the show. Yeah, 100%. I'm on board with you on that. All right, moving on to favorite episodes, and let's talk drama. What was your favorite TV drama episode of the year? Well, it is from American Gods, and it is season one, episode four, called Get Gone. And it's the one that focuses largely on Emily Browning's character, who plays the wife of Shadow Moon, Laura Moon. It was incredible. I really think that Emily Browning should have at least been like nominated for an Emmy for it. Like That performance was amazing, just the storytelling. It was just its own kind of like... It went back and like recapped all of the episodes of the series from her perspective in kind of a Pulp Fiction style thing, a Rashomon style thing. And it was honestly one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. Wow, that sounds amazing. I still haven't seen the the show. I've read the book. And I, I don't know. I don't want it to be to be spoiled by or change my perception of the book. Um, although I'll probably end up watching the show at some point. What's your favorite drama episode this year? Well, my favorite, I'm kind of going out of left field here. I do have a lot of, could have gone with Legion. I could have gone with The Leftovers, obviously. I could have gone with so many other shows. And I went with The Orville. The Orville does things that I haven't seen in quite a while. And I'm going to name the 10th episode of the season Firestorm, which is admittedly kind of the closest next generation episode they've done so far it's truly one of the most interesting episodes of the show and i would argue one of my favorite just on a pure entertainment standpoint episode of the year essentially the concept is that uh, one of the crew members has to face her own fears and so it's the classic trope of the fears of other people are literally manifesting themselves into the ship and so how do you go beyond duty and save people from those fears as well as yourself 
And I don't know, just that ending was kind of unexpected in a way, but also kind of expected. I don't want to spoil it uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the episode. It was just thoroughly entertaining. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go back and watch more of them. I've only seen scattered episodes throughout. I was pretty unimpressed with like the first episode. And then I caught a couple from around the middle, like four or five, six. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. So I'm curious. To, it sounds like it's just getting better and better. Absolutely. I can't really compliment the first three or four episodes of the show. However, now they've hit that stride and going full TNG, they're committing to that almost fan fiction aspect uh, in a way, but still telling entertaining episodes. That's what I'm looking for in the Orville. All right. Well, what about my area of expertise? What were our favorite comedy episodes this year? Well, I just hinted at it earlier. It's The Good Place second, or technically third episode, because the first episode was a double episode. Oh, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, whatever that one episode where they essentially did an entire season's worth of storylines in mm-hmm. 20 minutes, that one. Yeah, that was my favorite Your soulmate is a golden retriever. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. For me, I would say the Nathan Few season finale, although maybe that's kind of cheating because it's more like an hour and a half documentary yeah, movie like, instead of a <laughs> it's essentially episode a movie. Of, but it's incredible in its own its own way. But I think that when we're going for traditional half hour comedy episodes, you can't go past the uh, Rick and Morty episode, the Rick Lantis experiment, which I thought was incredible because it just it brought together so many of the um, serialized threads that they had been playing with over the last couple of seasons of Rick and Morty. But it also told such an incredible self-contained story. Like again, this this is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. And it's done in, I don't know how they managed to fit all of it into a 22 minute animated episode. Like it's, it's kind of like Rick and Morty does house of cards and the wire and dead Poets society as written by Charlie Kaufman and Philip K. Dick crowned into 22 minutes. Like <laughs> it's one of the most singularly impressive episodes of television I've seen. I would say this for the good place. It kind of subverted those expectations in a way. I'm assuming that Rick and Morty did because I remember you, you referred to, I think the finale of last season as them writing themselves into a corner and how were they going to get out of that? Yeah. Um, is that related to that? Kind of, yeah. Like it, it certainly pulled together some of those threads, and then at the end of this season, they literally just turned to the audience and said, "We're going to be doing a reset, and everything's going to be right. back like it was in season one again." Because I guess pulling together all those things was just too much of an ordeal for them. They just wanted to be able to do reset comedy kind of thing again. So tune in and find out. I feel like everyone's heard of those shows, but what are some of the little under the radar ones that maybe people don't know about? I don't know if the people I've heard of the show I'm going to mention, but I'm going to mention it anyway. It's the show Dark. It's a German language Netflix show. It's actually the first Netflix German show that they produced. And it's kind of a cross between The Missing, if you've seen The Missing, this British crime show. It's essentially that meets Stranger Things because you've got that time traveling element added to it. So it's kind of this very complex, kind of like naughty time traveling whodunit for TV. And I just love the atmosphere. I love the visuals and I love the story. It's really intriguing. Nice. There's a lot of hidden gems on Netflix because they buy all these great series from Europe and from Australia and from these different places and then make them available to us. So so it's definitely worth trolling for some of that stuff. Well, I will say that this is a Netflix original. It wasn't something that they bought from outside. It literally is the first German language produced Netflix. I mean, they only have a few of them so far. They also have Marseille in France. They have a 3%, which is the Portuguese language show. And they have another Spanish language series. So I think this is maybe the fifth or sixth European language Netflix show that they produced. Yeah, producing. I know that's one of the things they're pushing for in Australia is for them to invest money in original content, Netflix originals from Australia as well. It's incredible just the the global aspect of Netflix now and how much they're just churning out all over the world. But what about you? What is kind of the the show you've never heard of, but we've probably heard of? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, certainly the name recognition of this is high, but I don't know how many people are aware of the reboot that's going on for DuckTales. Oh, woo! It's on Disney XD, and it's it's so much fun. It's really cleverly written, even though it's, you know, it's probably aimed at, I don't know, 10 to 12-year-old boys or something. Uh, it's one of those things like Gravity Falls that is just, uh, it works on so many levels, uh, you know, The Simpsons, things like that. And it's definitely worth checking out. Very smart, very funny. Uh, and an awesome cast, too. They've got David Tennant, Danny Pudi, a couple of the people from SNL, like Beck Bennett. And it's it's really just a lot of fun. All right, moving away from screen stuff, how about music? What are you listening to this year? Well, one of my favorite albums of the year is the album Dreamings by the band Dreamings. I've been a big fan of this kind of LA local rock postmodern slash throwback to the 80s band. It's called Dreamings, not spelled uh, dream, D-R-E-A-M, but more the opposite way, D-R-A-E-M-I-N-G-S. Dreamings. Dreamings. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, so indie of them. They've been uh, on the circuit for a while, and they just published their, I don't know if it's their first full album, but they published a new album this year entitled after their own name. And it's uh, one of the most interesting sort of uh, rock albums I've listened to this year. Nice, cool. Well, for me, it feels a little like cheating because it was the same artist that I mentioned <laughs> last year, but uh, she put out a new album. It's Julian Baker. I know we're both big fans of hers. Uh, this new album is called Turn Out the Lights. And it's one of those ones that grows on you. The first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, cool. And then I've just been listening to it again and again ever since and finding new things in it. It's just, That's the, always the stuff that I love is that you get that incredible re-listen value out of it. And I'm very sad that I'm going to be out of the country when she's in LA for oh, her tour. Yeah. So I need to book tickets for that. Maybe they're already sold out. But, yeah, I'm uh, sure you can find something on StubHub, but uh, I would love to, to see her perform live. She's great. What about movies? What's on the big screen? What did you love this year? This year, I got to give it up to Get Out. It was such a good movie. I'm a big sort of genre of psychological thriller fan. In fact, back in uh, October, I just binge-watched like, most of the Blumhouse catalog. But uh, man, Get Out was just so good. Yeah, what a debut for like a first-time feature director. If you've seen Key and Peele, you know exactly the kind of talent that these guys have. Exactly. And this was just fantastic. And this, speaking of you know, re-listening your Joe and Baker album, Get Out, you can re-watch it over and over again and pick up these little subtle elements and little clues that Ron Peel sort of peppered in throughout. In fact, I think it was this week or the last week where for Vanity Fair, he did this clip where he would read out Reddit theories about Get Out and would <laughs> answer whether or not they were true. And some of them are kind of obscure and turned out to actually be true. So oh, wow, uh, I definitely so recommend people. I'm going to link that in the show notes. I think the, I'm due for a rewatch of Get Out. It was like so it was literally like first thing in January. Yeah. That some people forget it was even this year. So I'm really hopeful that people give it the recognition it deserves around awards time. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so good. What about you? For me, I mean, that's definitely one of my top choices, but just to be different, uh, I might say Logan. I think Ooh. that that was very, very well done. You know, I've thought about it again. Just like, it, it's just something that cuts through all of the other superhero movies out there and feels very real and different. And, you know, it's a, it's a Western. It's the Unforgiven. It's, you know, all that kind of thing. Like, uh, it's just the kind of boldness of the choices they made with those characters, the spoiler alert, you know, killing Wolverine. It's just something they would never do in any other movie and it gives it real stakes and real emotion. So I really love that. Yeah, uh, I would say it's actually surprising the amount of impact it has because, I mean, it was so different, as you pointed out, from all the other X-Men movies, just in terms of the story and specifically the fact that a superhero movie could 
be that. In the same way that I think Deadpool also reinvented what a superhero movie uh, could be for the studios, I feel like Logan in the same way sort of reinvented the idea that's been permeating into comics for decades. The fact that it's not just about world stakes, it's not just about these big characters, but it's also about human uh, intimate stories. And so I'm looking forward to seeing more movies like that. You know, something like I love Why the Last Man, and I would love that's one of my favorite uh, comics of all time. And that's definitely something that falls into the Logan uh, format of this is a comic that tells very human story in a very specific kind of world. Yeah. Um, so I lo- I'm looking forward to all those different movies coming out with shows coming out of Logan. Exactly. I don't think that superheroes are going away anytime soon. So it's just going to be imperative on the studios to find ways to reinvent it and tell it through different genres. And that's why I like so much of what they're doing with the TV side of it, like Legion, things like that. You really do get a different experience of superhero stories uh, in a new kind of way. Quick honorable mention to Coco. I watched that and cried my eyes out. Uh, it's uh, it's really good. So check that one out too. Now let's go back to written words, I guess. Uh, what are some of your favorite books from the past year, Nick? I mean, as I said last year, this is a great shame to me that I really don't find that much time to read novels and, and things like that. So often I'm reading you know graphic novels and scripts and, and, and all that kind of thing, but I have not really sat down with a good book for a while. But I have been listening to a lot of audiobooks, and this isn't obviously new this year, but one thing that I tried to find the time to get back and re-listen, re-read in a way uh, is Stephen King's On Writing. I think it's always Ooh. a really good reminder reminder to check back in on that so if you haven't read that or listened to that i recommend checking it's it out. it's like a yearly real listen by the way is he the one reading the audiobook no it's someone else but uh, uh it's, it's it's well read so nice how about yourself and i just mentioned brian k vaughn's why the last man and i gotta go with another brian k vaughn property this year it's paper girls it's a comic book series much like on writing it's not quite uh, from this year it's from 2015 although obviously the series is ongoing so there's still some issues being published but essentially it's kind of like this interesting science fiction mystery surrounding a group of 12 year old sort of newspaper delivery girls but they're in this suburb area and there's uh, this uh, mysterious force invading the town allegedly from the future uh, i don't want to spoil anything but it's a really interesting comic book series that's actually overshadowed by Brian K. Vaughn's other work, especially Saga. That's such a big deal oh, yeah. I mean, comic book lore. But Paper Girls is, I would argue, equally as good than any of his other properties. Nice. I will give a quick shout out to one comic called Slam. S-L-A-M exclamation mark is part of the title. Uh, It is a comic series about roller derby um, and the kind of world of that and the characters within that. And it's written by a friend of mine, Pam Ribbon, who is a feature writer. She was one of the writers on Moana. She's doing Wreck-It Ralph 2. She's amazing. And so she's been putting out this series. Uh, I think she has a new one coming up called My Boyfriend is a Bear. Uh, (laughs) Her stuff's really fun and inventive. Um, They've got it down at, you know, Meltdown and all those places. So check that out. Not to be confused with Common and Slam, the space jam musical right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is that a real thing no but i want it to be they just put For space sure. jam out on netflix again did you see uh no no i wasn't looking at netflix i think, I think i'm due for a rewatch of that too uh, i think i rewatched it last year that was my favorite movie of 2016 <laughs> <laughs> everyone was posting memes the other day because it was the anniversary of the monsters uh, match against the <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> all right moving on moving on let's go back to being uh, navel gazing a little bit what was your favorite guest episode of paper team for the past year 
I really liked the one uh, where Gary Sunt came on and talked about not only assisting comedy showrunners and other things, but just a lot of the philosophy about what it means to be a writer and to dedicate yourself to this craft and, and choose this as your career and how to persevere through that and what you kind of have to check yourself with mentally to to be able to do that. And I think that uh, he gave some really great kind of insights into all that. So I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah, I always like those episodes that are a little bit more esoterical, I want to say. It's not really a lot of practical advice as much as, uh, as you said, Nick, kind of like discussions of what it means to be in this world uh for me i gotta give it up to britta i mean britta lundin uh from riverdale that was such a great discussion about the writer's room process how they work on adapting this existing property what her first year was like you know especially when you enter this foreign environment you've never been an assistant in the show before how do you deal with the the room etiquette the, the politics in the in the room i both I of those things of, both of those yeah things. absolutely uh, no britta's amazing that was a really fun episode i've known her since you know before she got on on staff there and it's been so cool just to track her journey through all of that and i'm sure she's gonna uh, continue to have that kind of success yeah did you meet her was it the same time that you met me or is it the same uh, competition i think i met britta through the a-list which i was the first year that i ran it and uh she she won it with with ship it uh, as a feature screenplay and so well, I, probably, I was also on the yeah I, I, i'm aware i remember uh so but I thought I met you before that at like a, a mixer or oh, something. Oh, probably, probably. But we all, but. I think the first time I met Britta was at the A-list in it when we all got Interesting. together. So, yeah. That's good to know. Now, going back to Paper Team, what was your favorite, more traditional Paper Team episode? I think I have to give this one to writing themes and values. I don't know where it ranked on the list, but uh, just personally for me, that is such a big part of writing and it's something that I'm really passionate about. And I think that a lot of people overlook sometimes. They'll go and write some very heavily plot-driven pilot and maybe it has some interesting kind of character development too, but it's not really saying anything and it's not speaking to something greater or universally relatable or human. And I think that the, ultimately that's what all writing comes down to when you think about it. So I recommend people taking a listen to PT36, Writing Themes and Values. I was going to make a joke that it's dead last, but it's not. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, that's the point of writing. If you're not saying something, what, you know, why bother? Um, and speaking of, I mean, my favorite sort of traditional episode of Paper Team is the analyzing great TV pilot, the sort of case study that we did uh, around some of our favorite uh, episodes of TV ever. And that was PT54. There's a reason why it's one of our most popular episodes ever. And it's because, you know, we didn't dive deep into these amazing scripts and these amazing episodes uh, to really figure out why they're so effective. Yeah, I think there's so much you can learn by looking at how the best of the best do it. Uh, everyone should be reading good pilot scripts and analyzing them uh, to take that back into your own writing. Do you have any favorite uh, resources from this year that we gave to our listeners? Well, one of the the resources I actually go back to quite frequently is the Motion Thesaurus. I mentioned it in, I believe, the prose episode that we did, but essentially it's this collection of books that are geared for writers, uh, and essentially they give you ideas on expressing uh, characters, the way they're feeling or what they're doing in interesting ways. It's not just a, a synonym dictionary, but it's really about articulating uh, properly the way that characters behave or, you know, for example, if they're in grief, like what does that physically represent in their action or uh, in their dialogue, those little elements that may be more subtle than others. Yeah, there's so much to the visual storytelling element when you're writing for the screen. And I think a lot of people overlook that. What about you, Nick? What was your favorite resource from past year? I mean, one that I always love to go back to is the Hemingway Writer website. Uh, I think it just helps remind us to to, to keep it simple and short and uh, effective. You know, the writing that we're doing is is more akin to poetry than to to writing a novel. And I think that Hemingway had had it right with his kind of approach to delivering that. 
oh, so you're not going back to Paris and then uh, smoking and drinking? That's not the Hemingway. Well, that, that too, yeah. Just get very, very drunk and belligerent and go like hunt a whale or something, whatever he did. That's our best resource, I think, for the entire <laughs> How about a favorite enemy of the podcast? Who did we get on the wrong side of this year? That I love. I really secretly <laughs> yes. love. It's going to be Shonda. <laughs> Shonda. We got to get that soundboard going Shonda. on. A recent enemy I think that we made uh, accidentally when I was going off on a rant was J.J. Abrams. I basically called him a creative coward. <laughs> I didn't know you went so hard against well, him. Well, wow. I didn't think I said it in that many words, but I said that <laughs> The Force Awakens was far too safe. And I understand why they did it because they made a lot of money, but I didn't appreciate that about it. It was a straight up remake of uh, A New Hope. So I think that maybe he's going to be sending some goons to track me down. If he wasn't our enemy then, he sure is now. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, just to conclude our 2017 look back, let's take a look at some of the things we've accomplished. I mean, we've gone through some milestones. We've uh, we've done things, didn't we? Or unless we slept the entire year, probably that was another thing. <laughs> I mean, I did some things. One of the things that I am most proud of having done this year is that I got to see my very first episode of TV animated. Uh, Kelly and I went into Hasbro and we watched our episode 106 of The Littlest Pet Shop, which is going to be coming out in the middle of next year on Discovery Family and I think later on Netflix. And we got to see it in front of our eyes brought to life the stuff that we had written in the script and you know obviously parts of it get rewritten and whatever but so much of it still felt like us and and it was just so cool to see that did you have a single tear rolling down your cheek as you watched your episode <sighs> sure alex yes i had a single tear <laughs> why are you sounding so <laughs> exasperated at everything i said <laughs> no no how about you what are some hi- what are highlights all right so i had jury duty uh, i had a car crash uh, wait no <laughs> those are the bad highlights sorry that was on the on the can we say this word the b list i mean if you're saying it about a female dog i guess it's not offensive <laughs> sure uh, but that's not what the list it's, is about it's actually that's not what the list is there's a feminist list uh, we just mentioned Britta. Britta was on it last year actually it's essentially a feminist list of scripts that passed the Bechdel test which is kind of a low bar let's be honest to pass also uh, as i announced on twitter a little while ago i'm on a new science fiction show and i can't really talk about it right now but you'll be hearing a lot more about it next year so tune in for that Ooh. Uh, yeah, some other things that I've been up to, Kelly and I are writing a musical TV pilot right now, which has been a really fun experience uh, because I haven't done a ton of songwriting. I've written like parody lyrics, things like that, but uh, it's been so cool to just kind of figure out the whole structure and elements of all that. And it might be something we end up going and shooting ourselves as like Ooh, a, a web series. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I also started a satire website called The Salmon Pages, which we've been turning out content for. It's very much like The Onion, but just about kind of entertainment industry, people, assistants in the industry, things like that. So we've been putting out either headlines or articles every day of the week. And that's been a really great writing exercise for me to figure out how to keep turning out ideas and comedy and distilling things. Yeah, we'll be linking that in the show notes. I mean, speaking of that's one of the things I think we both done this year is stretch our writing muscles outside of just the, the pilot format or whatever it is. I mean, I'm busy outlining a feature, which is, it's not really my first feature uh, ever, but it's definitely the first feature I intend on finishing. <laughs> so um, I know that it's, feel. Quite, it's quite different. But yeah, it's interesting to like stretch that muscle, either for the outlining process or the drafting process or the songwriting process in your case. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting to sort of 
go beyond the little box that you're in. Absolutely. On the business side of things, I've really been enjoying my work as a C at the production management company I work for. It's been really educational and rewarding for me. I've been making more of an effort this year to reach out to people and network and get drinks and forge kind of new relationships and find opportunities in the industry. We announced uh, two kind of really exciting projects this year that we've been working on for a while. One is a sci-fi series that Ava DuVernay is directing for us. So that's going really well. And I think it's going to be a really big thing once uh, it kind of goes to air. And uh, we also just the other day announced that uh, one of our clients is adapting uh, a feature and Mahershala Ali is going to star in that. And I've loved that guy ever since the 4400. Ooh, yeah, so I'm 40, super excited for so him to be a part of that. Oh, he's been incredible this whole time. I'm so glad that he's taking off. So That's amazing. And the last thing is I'm going home to Australia for the first time in three years since I left the country. I have not been back to see my family, much to my, my shame and disappointment, but it's going to be so, so nice to actually see all of them and, and catch up with everyone back there. So uh, I cannot wait. And he'll never come back. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. No. I was just, they I, let me back in the country. <laughs> TBD. I mean, I went through that back in September, so you never know. All right, so you finish things off. We kind of wanted to take a look ahead at 2018 and help you guys prepare for the year to come and discuss some important deadlines and dates and just kind of a recap of what to expect next year. So we covered this around this time last year, but it's, I always find it helpful just to do a little recap of what the actual kind of seasons of the year look like for writers and for the industry. So in January, February, and March, this is a period where if you're a writer, if you're unrepped, it's a great time to be trying to find those reps, whether that is getting out and networking and meeting people and trying to get read or, you know, sitting down and taking those meetings with managers and agents and however else you're kind of getting in front of them. Uh, or if you already have a rep, then you're out taking general meetings. You're getting to know people at studios, networks, production companies, all kinds of things like that. It's the perfect time of year where things haven't gotten crazy yet and everyone just has a little bit of time to actually make those new connections. As a writer, you should also be finishing new samples for staffing season. You want to make sure that you have fresh content ready to go uh, for people to be reading. And if you're a very established writer, or at least it just helps to know what's going on on the legit side of the industry, networks are ordering their pilot episodes based off of the scripts that they had commissioned from pitches in the development season last year. So usually they're reading it over the kind of holiday break, and then January... Feb is when they're making all those decisions of who's actually going to go get to shoot a pilot. Yeah, that's always kind of the best time I felt to reach out to either old connections or new connections because it's the new year, you have an excuse to reconnect, even in terms of finding reps or whatever. That, like That's really the prime time uh, of when, besides maybe like summer, that's really the prime time of when they're going to be looking for uh, new clients. Now, moving on to April, May, that's really staffing season. And that's when you'll have the shorter network staffing meetings to try to get into a room of existing shows, especially, uh, not just new shows although that's usually also around the time that pilots are going to be grabbed to series and that's usually around the upfronts but even before the greenlit at the upfronts showrunners and networks are still taking those meetings before so you want to be ready that's what nick was mentioning about finishing samples or whatever you want to be ready for staffing season in april and may exactly Um, you can't just turn up in la in the middle of may and expect you're going to get yourself on a show you really need to be putting in that work earlier in the year and obviously even years before that and even if you are repped i mean chances are that your rep uh, hopefully is asking you to write new samples or maybe you're doing it yourself but either way you really want something fresh different from what you got last year because especially for shows that are continuing you don't want to be sending the same sample over and over and over again uh, just you know that's not who you are really you're supposed to be generating new material exactly and like alex said once we hit may that's when the pilot episodes are actually being shot the network executives read it over the break they've ordered them in you know january and 
the, the actual production is going into place around May. It's a great time if you're a PA or a crew member to get on board with uh, a pilot and help them shoot it uh, and make some connections through that as well around this time of year. Uh, just to be clear, this would be like early May, end of April, because obviously the upfronts are happening and the tail end of May. And that's usually when the, the advertisers are checking out the network schedule and invest. And that's why they're making such a big show. Usually in New York, uh, all the big networks, that's when they're making the decision of what is being picked up and what is being canceled and so forth. Um, although I feel like now TV has evolved at such a point that besides the big four, big five networks, most of the networks have almost year-round upfront. I feel like the TCA now especially is kind of the bonafide uh, version of the upfronts for cable, essentially. Definitely, yeah. Once you hit kind of that May going into June, that's when all of the big summer shows are going to premiere, and you're going to see all the work that's been put in the previous kind of seasons and what the networks are going out with with their new schedules. And then moving further into July and September, once the networks have stopped worrying about their schedules and their shows are premiered and they can kind of calm down for a while, this is when they're inviting writers to come back and, and pitch all their new shows for development. Uh, so that's when the development department is really kind of getting into work then. And in September and October, that's usually when the cable uh, networks are buying their shows. Although, to be fair, that's a little bit year-round now, especially when you were talking about Netflix, OTTs, uh, HBO. There's not a clear schedule for those, but you still want to be ready for the basic cable. And the same goes for uh, the summer shows that are sort of wrapping up at that time uh, versus the fall shows that are premiering to kind of fill that gap. Yeah. And then once we reach the end of the year, November, December, those existing shows that premiered back in the summer are the networks are making decisions about whether they want to give additional episode orders. That's often called a back nine because you get your 13 and you get another nine uh, through to 22, although the episode orders are all very different these days and it's not exactly that anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, SWAT just got two episodes randomly and I think Kevin Can Wait also got two episodes. Yeah. So those it are might weird. be an outdated model at this point, yeah. back nines. It's very generous. So all those pilots that were shot back in April and May are also the networks making decisions about whether they're going to pick those up to series or pronounce them dead. And then, like we said before, leading into January, the execs are going to be reading all the pilot scripts that have come out of their development departments to decide what they're going to agree line for next year. So over that Christmas break, people are going to be very busy on the studio network side deciding what shows are going to get a pilot. And now we're back in January. Oh my God, where does the time go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly it, it gets away from you. So keep all of that in mind. Obviously, even if you are just at the very beginning levels of being a writer, you're not going to be particularly worried personally about the, the development and pilot season and whatever, but it helps to know what's going on around you. It helps to know what the schedules and the, the concerns of the people in the business are at the time. And these are all business dates, but in terms of the, the writing side of things, Especially when you're first starting out, it's good to be prepared for the competitions and the fellowships and all those, and be aware of all those deadlines. Case in point, I mean, in the spring, you obviously have your fellowships. In April, don't forget that some fellowships, especially CBS and Nickelodeon, have earlier deadlines than NBC or Warner Brothers. And the same can be said for the Austin Film Festival uh, or the tracking board competitions that is sponsoring this episode and many more afterwards. So you got to keep an eye out for those deadlines and be ready, whether with a spec, even though Nick doesn't like that idea, mm -hmm. uh, or an original pilot, whatever it is, you got to be ready for it. Uh, don't do things at the last minute. That's not how things work. Yeah. And if you're on the ground there, be aware that it's not only the execs and the producers and people that are going to be paying attention to what's going on in the industry around them. Uh, if you're getting out and meeting assistants and people at your level, uh, you know, agency assistants are going to be so crazy in the middle of pilot season trying to read all these pilots so that they know what their clients can get staffed on, all that kind of stuff. So be aware of, you know, people at all levels are adhering to this schedule. And that's why it's so important for you to have an understanding of it. 
And given that we're entering a new year, uh, hopefully within two weeks, unless the the world ends and we all get nuked. Also, I did want to talk briefly about this idea of choosing new opportunities or when you should be taking this job. As the new year approaches, people, you know, are, are going on different shows and maybe they're going to be taking a step back or a step sideways. So when is that opportunity right for you? And what I get out of a new job or a new opportunity is usually one of three things. Uh, one, obviously, is paycheck. I mean, this is going to be work, so I feel like I need to be paid for it, especially if we're talking about an assistant job, you're not doing it for free uh, unless it's an internship, which brings me to point number two. I feel like the other thing you need to look out for is connections or networking. This town is about building relationships. So you got to find the job that is going to give you access to new people. And at that point, it's an investment worth taking. Uh, and that's why internships sometimes are worth taking. You're not going to be paid for them. Uh, if you have access to those people or interesting people, then uh, they may be worth looking into. And the third thing, is professional experience or things that um, you can put on your resume. Uh, maybe you're doing something different or you're on a show that is more known than your previous gig or maybe you're looking to transition from reality to scripted or comedy to drama. Whatever the case may be, sometimes you may have to take that sidestep or backstep in your career uh, just to get that foot back in the door. Um, so these are all three things that I tend to watch out for to make my decision on whether or not an opportunity is worth taking. Yeah, that all makes sense. I think that those are the three main reasons why you would consider doing that. And not every job is going to be the perfect lead in to exactly what you want to do. Sometimes it's a lateral move. Sometimes it's a step up or down. But if you're not getting the opportunities, you should at least be getting paid well and having time to write. And if you're not getting either of those things, you should be getting opportunities and advancement. Absolutely. And it's kind of like the whole triangle, right? Like the fast, cheap, and good. good. Yeah. And you got to like pick fruit. two, yeah, pick exactly, two, right? Exactly. This is essentially pick one of them, at least like you got to be paid, you got to make connections, or you're going to get new experiences, whatever the case may be, if you're not getting any of the three out of whatever opportunity, then it's not worth it. So you got to balance that out. So looking ahead to 2018, I think it would be a great idea if we set some new goals for Paper Team and what we're hoping to achieve next year and hopefully meet those like we did this year. Yeah, one of the things I really want us to do is we've we've already done it with WonderCon, but it's really expand Paper Team to more life settings, especially because we're approaching our 100th episode. Can you believe it, Nick? Wow. Next year, we're going to be hitting 100 episodes. I think we both want to do more live events, maybe meetups. I mean, who knows? Maybe yeah. just meeting listeners, panels, whatever it is. Who knows? Maybe we're going to have another WonderCon panel. Yeah. We'd love to be back at WonderCon and other cons and live kind of things like that. And yeah, maybe it would be nice to, to go out and meet some of our, our fans other than just randomly running into them at like Austin <laughs> Film Festival or on or, the street. Uh, what about PaperCon? <laughs> PT con it's not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson con uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't know uh, one thing that I would really love for us to do is have a better social media presence right now obviously Alex and I are pretty active on our own personal Twitters but we want to be posting our episodes to the paper team Facebook more often maybe we'll utilize a paper team Twitter we're not sure at this point but we just want to be putting stuff out there regularly and expanding our reach and we'd love to interact with people whether it's people are making comments on the episode on the Facebook page or something. We would love to chat and have a back and forth with everyone out there. Or even on TV calling again, like there's always people posting comments mm -hmm. on the different episodes, just thanking us or thanking our yeah, guests and on or whatever Twitter. Like I love when it's people send us tweets and they're like, Hey, that was a really great episode. Or I have an extra question about this. We will always love to hear from you. 
and respond to them on the podcast or even on Twitter. Uh, the other thing we wanted to do is kind of get more higher profile guests, especially as we are moving up ourselves. I think we wanted to reflect that move up in our own roster of, uh, of guests. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's been fantastic to, and that's what our goal has been from the start, is to shine a light on what it's like at the bottom rung of the industry and how you go from showing up in LA with no job and knowing no one to getting your way in. But we think that we've covered that pretty well and that we've got a lot of guests from from different levels of that. So now we're going to start shooting our sights a little bit higher and getting you guys an idea of the experiences of people who are further up uh, in the industry as well and getting them to reflect back on how they made their start to not just kind of the, all the high level stuff that they're doing. And that's not to say that we're not going to cover the basics still or other assistant jobs next year we're probably going to be doing an episode about writer's assistant or showrunner's assistant what have you and those are categories of work especially in tv that are very important for the function of the room i think we're going to keep a good balance but we want to be able to offer some things that we haven't put out there yet before and that's one of our goals another thing i wanted to mention is that 2018 is going to be the 10-year anniversary of TV Calling. Uh, it's been 10 years since Woo. I started that in whatever, my mother's basement, I guess. Uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, Sounds very appropriate. Sure. But in any case, I'll be making some announcements on this side and probably on the podcast as well, because one of the things I really want to do at some point is open up a Facebook group because uh, people have been commenting both on Paper Team, but also TV Calling, emails, what have you, asking for us, me, or and sort of everybody involved to kind of create a community for people to exchange ideas, uh, not just on a one-to-one basis of you guys emailing us, but really you guys emailing each other or contacting one another, maybe to share scripts or get feedback or advice, whatever it is. I think I'm going to be looking into creating a TV calling venue, uh, probably tied to Paper Team, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so tune in for that next year. <laughs> All right, to close out the year, like we did last year, we decided to do a little uh, gift exchange. Um, so let's find out what uh, Nick got me. Hopefully it's not another French joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex is going to unwrap his gift live on air with this lovely uh, presentation that I've put into it. Would you like to describe it for the audience, Alex? Sure, I think it's a, a brown Ralph's plastic bag. <laughs> Wrapped in such a way that it looks like a bow tie. So it's I think it's truly a- uh, cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what it is. Alright. Let's see the noise. And the gift is Ooh. Ooh. Very nice. It's uh two Farscape Scorpius comics. Ooh, that's actually very relevant for the next episode <laughs> that we're gonna be doing. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I really I went over and checked your like comics today, being like, oh please tell me he doesn't already have them. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. So Excellent. this is great. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, All right, my turn. All right. So then Alex then... has actually put in some effort and like wrapped a real thing with like wrapping paper and uh, and tape. Although it looks like he's kind of taken like the dregs of whatever wrapping paper he had <laughs> left over and like tried to like assemble them together. No, this it. is actual gift wrap. Come on. Nick, oh, this don't. is this is like this is like Alex's best effort at a gift wrap. I think this, we're about on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we Maybe got? Maybe you already have it. Hopefully you don't. But let's see. Ah, code names duet. I don't even know what the duet one is. How does that work? I love code names. Though. This is amazing. So uh, it's a two-player version of code names because you'll be going on vacation to uh, Australia, and uh, oh, yeah. who knows? Maybe. And it's also you can also play with multiple people, but 
Okay. Um, it's this kind of very a cool. reinvented uh, two-person version of the popular Codenames game. Nice. Yeah, Codenames um, is so much fun. I played in a... You were, were you there at the Codenames tournament we did yes. over at Jimmy's? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So That was great. Uh, excellent. I've always wanted to have a copy of this game, so thank you. You're welcome. Well, I mean, on that note, I think uh, that closes out our 2017 uh, season of Paper Team. Yeah, and I hope that all of our listeners have a very happy holidays and new year. And you can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 71. Uh, and if you would like to leave us a review as a little holiday gift, uh, we would very much appreciate that. You can do it at paperteam.co slash iTunes. And uh, all of those will make me feel warm and fuzzy inside uh, in the, the cold winter months, although it'll be burning hot summer in Australia. So maybe... Uh, <laughs> Is it going to be better than eggnog? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I'd say so. Thanks again to our sponsor, the 2018 Tracking Board Launchpad Pilots Competition. Our Paper Team listeners can use the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word at the checkout, and save $15 off their entry. You can learn more about all of the Launchpad's current competitions and exclusive partners by visiting tblaunchpad.com. And as always, I'm on Twitter, at TVCalling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, Christmas ideas of gifts, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co. And, well, next week we will be off because we're taking two weeks off for the holidays and uh, New Year's Eve. So we will be back on January 8th with a case study about TV characters, which includes, spoiler alert, Scorpius from Farscape. Scorpius is one of them, and my spoiler is Lindsay from You're the Worst. So let's see how those go together. Ooh, Scorpius (laughs) X... Shipping You're Scorpius Lindsay. and Lindsay. So what's happening? <laughs> yes. You can send those uh, fanfiction at askabirteam.co. <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you next year. All right. Have a good one.